0: You may be seated. This morning, a very, uh, very happy Eve to Christmas Eve. We're we're almost there, and if you are like me, um, the excitement is building to Christmas Day. Um, If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter one. We'll be looking at verses forty six through fifty five this morning. Um, I waffled all week on whether to focus in on Elizabeth and her uh, interaction with Mary, or to uh, deal with Mary's song, this canticle, this song that this beautiful song that Mary sung, uh, the song of thanksgiving. And I was going to focus on Elizabeth, but um, God had other plans, and so He just kind of drew me into Luke one, Mary's song. And you can follow along with me there in verses 46 through 55. I don't know about you, but I love it when you come to the Bible and you read about individuals that had such incredible faith under excruciating circumstances. It's good for me to see these individuals because um, I believe there are really two ways to live life, to live your life. You can start with your life and your experience, and you can project all of that onto God. The result is when things are good, you feel like God's a a good God, and He's close, and He loves me, and He cares about me. But when things get hard, you begin to wonder. You begin to wonder, where is God? Perhaps God doesn't care about me. Perhaps God doesn't love me. We may wonder at all, maybe God isn't close. I'm all alone. He's forsaken me. The other way to live is to assume that God is who He says He is. That the Bible is true and that it reveals to us His character The nature, the goodness of God, and that He sent His one and only Son into this world to die for sinners that so desperately need Him. And so when we are suffering, or when we are sinning, or when I am anxious, or when I am frustrated with traffic or long lines, I trust in God. I run to God, I don't run from Him. And So what God does oftentimes in Scripture is He'll give us people, these individuals, to serve as examples. They respond to God in faith. They trust in Him. They trust in His Word. They trust His character. They trust His promises particularly in the most difficult of circumstances. And thus, you have this morning Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know her well. I love Mary, and I love Mary because in this Scripture in which we are looking at this morning, what you need to know about Mary is she was very young. New Testament scholars believe at this point in her life she was per, perhaps only 13, 14 years old, middle schooler, ninth grader. And to us, the Christmas story is a beautiful story, but it's also important to remember that when we see Mary pouring out this song of thanksgiving to God, we, we may be thinking this is just a natural thing. After all, the Messiah has been announced, the hope of Israel has been announced, Mary had the role of being the bearer of that hope of Israel into the world, why wouldn't she be thankful? Why wouldn't she be happy? And it's true, there are legitimate reasons for her to be happy. But remember, her life is about to be completely altered. She's pregnant. How many women just being pregnant (laughs) makes you anxious? We worry. And in that day, it was dangerous. A lot of women died in childbirth. A lot of children died in infancy. Not to mention the pressure, the pressure of being the mother of God. That in and of itself, for a middle school girl, (laughs) is a lot of pressure. Not only that, but she's a first-time mom. What a way to start. Here's God. Do a good job, right? (laughs) Mary is in a season of her life where she had a lot that she could have been worrying about. And rather than worrying, we find her here In this song, worshiping. Worshiping. This passage I want to suggest to you points us to at least three areas of growth for our own personal lives as we face the difficulties and trials in this fallen world. Here's number one. Mary models. She models a heart of humility. She models a heart of humility. She has been given an awesome and honorable position The Son of God, Christ in human flesh, will be hers to bear. She is the Messiah bearer. Her greatest moment and calling has now been revealed to her through Gabriel, acknowledged by Elizabeth, as we heard read this morning, and her response is pure humility. Notice verse 47. My spirit has rejoiced. In what? God my Savior. Mary knew that she was a sinner. Mary knew that she needed a Savior. But not only that, she acknowledges that she is of a lowly estate. She's humble, verse 48, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. In other words, she calls herself a willing, permanent, Servant of the Lord. She's humble. You need to know this today, brothers and sisters, that humble people worship. Humble people worship. True worship can only come from a humble heart. That's why James 4, 6 says that God resists the proud and God gives grace to the humble. Pride stands in the way of true worship. True worshipers are people who are selfless. And that's Mary. Even in her statement, Behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. There is humility. Because Mary's not saying, look at me. Am I not great? She is saying, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing because this nobody, this absolute nobody, has been made a somebody by Yahweh, by God. She is humble. Secondly, Mary models an attitude of thankfulness. Look at verses 46 through 49 especially. Over and over, we see phrases of thanksgiving lifted up to God. My soul exalts the Lord, for he has regard for the humble. The Mighty One has done great things for me. His mercy is upon generation after generation. He's done mighty deeds with his arm. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. Again, Mary could have focused on all the dangers. She could have been shaken by anxiety and all the hard circumstances. She's about to endure, but she focuses on thankfulness to God J.C. Ryle says this. I love what J.C. says. Let us rise from our beds every morning with a deep conviction that we are debtors and that every day we we have more mercies than we deserve. True gospel thankfulness is always a matter of faith over circumstance. It is a matter of seeing our circumstances through the eyes of faith. Mary's humble. She has an attitude of thankfulness. And lastly, she has a trust in the promises of God. Notice verses 54 and 55. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. You may look at those two verses and you may say to yourself, what in the world is Mary talking about? Well, she's talking about the covenant of God that he had with Abraham. She's talking about the promises that God made to Abraham in his covenant. She's saying that the promises that God made to Abraham are now being fulfilled in the bringing of her son into the world. Literally, she's saying, Lord, you are fulfilling what you promised to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17. You are fulfilling that now in our time. And for whatever marvelous reason, you've chosen to fulfill it through me. You need to know she's not just being sentimental. She's not just being sentimental. She doesn't think that this is just cute and cuddly, and she's having a baby, and she's not just excited by her feelings alone. Mary believes this. She believes this. And she is confessing her faith in this song. And she believes that God is a promise keeper. And however beautiful this song is to you, it won't make any difference in your life unless you believe what is being said. She's moved through worship through a heart of humility. She's filled with an attitude of thankfulness and confesses her faith in a promise-keeping God. We are literally a day and a half away from Christmas. And my question to you this morning as we apply this text, this song, is what is your song this Christmas? What is your song this Christmas? In other words, what song is your life singing? Don't let circumstances, don't let the world, don't let any individual steal your worship this Christmas. Don't be an Ebenezer Scrooge. Right, I love this movie. I love Dickens in this movie, A Christmas Carol. There's a scene that I just want to close out with. It's a scene by which Scrooge is arguing over celebrating Christmas with his nephew. To which, Ebenezer argues, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. And his nephew replies brilliantly. I love this. Quote, I have always thought of Christmas as a kind and charitable time. The only time when men open their shut up hearts And think of all people as fellow travelers to the grave, and not some other race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, uncle, although it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good, and I say, God bless it. (laughs) I love it. It has done me good. It has done me good. Good indeed. Good that it does open, shut up hearts, reaching fellow travelers to the grave. Good that it helps us respond with a heart of humility, that God would look upon us and redeem us through this babe that lays in a manger. Living daily with attitudes of thankfulness and all the while confessing our faith and knowing and believing that God keeps his promises. May God help us. And may God bless it. And may you and your friends and your loved ones have a very, very Merry Christmas. Let's pray.